been driving all night, got 400 miles to go. Got the pedal to the metal and Vince Gill on the radio. I just went through Texarkana, heading down to San Antonio. Well, that's the life of a trucker driving his long road. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff and Gary Rayburn, and yes, we have an awesome program for you today. And as you can tell by the intro music, we're not your typical church. We are a church without walls, a church out of the box. We send the gospel message all across America. We not only use radio programs, we use the truckers to help spread the gospel all across the country with our CD ministry. So if you'd like to find out more, give us a call at 618 618- 383-2107. We want to send you some of our CDs and you can partner with us to spread the gospel to your family, your friends, and your community. Now sit back and enjoy today's program. Then call the radio station and tell them how much you enjoyed today's program. Probably get lucky down around San Antonio. Find a long star, honey, that would like to call this rigor on. Ah, but you know that kind of loving, it will only wreck your home. It's the life of a trucker driving this lonesome road. Yeah, I said, drive, trucker, drive. You better run for your life. She's a devil in disguise and she's gonna ruin your life Well it can't be the money that keeps me on the run It's that white line fever that keeps me on the road Yeah, I said drive, trucker, drive You better run for your life She's a devil in disguise and she's gonna ruin your life can't be the money that keeps me on the run It's that white line fever that keeps me on the road up, boy. Hey, Breaker 1-9 How's that looking over your shoulder there, buddy? Come on back, anybody got your ears on out there? Hello friends, this is Jeff and Gary Rayburn, and we are glad to be with you today on our program, and I've got my partner Daryl Spicer of Channel 21 Ministries with me, and we are in the cab with this driver here. What do you think of this driver's truck, Daryl? I like it, but he doesn't have any groceries back here. I'm about to starve to death. I guess we're going to have to stop up here at the next truck up and fill up. But you're buying, Gary. Oh, yeah. No no problem there. Yeah. We'll use your credit card. I'll tell you what. Now, this is one powerful story. It's uh, David Gibbs. I know all you folks out there loved these stories by Dr. David Gibbs. Hey, Gary. Yes, sir, Daryl. I think we need a song to bail us out of this one. That's right, brother. Yeah, we've <laughs> got to do something here. We need help. <laughs> we do. And who better than Jim and Ann Davenport? Yes, sir. Chimes of time ring out the news. Another day is through. Someone slipped and fell. Was that someone new? You may have.
and we're getting ready to take a ride with Dr. David Gibbs. I'm hanging on. I got my helmet. (laughs) All right. Well, you're going to need it because this is quite a ride that he's on. It is. And uh, he explains it very well, too. He does. It it makes you feel like you're riding the airplane with him. Uh, He's got a couple of stories here that he's going to be talking about. We'll get your undivided attention. Pay close attention to what he says and how it goes when he's sitting in that airplane. Amen. Here it is, Dr. David Gibbs. Listen to his voice. Those of you who know me and know I do not like to get up in the morning. Brother Gerald, I'm not a morning person. Stay up all night, no problem. Stay up two nights, no problem. But once I go to bed, I don't like getting up. Now, I get up, I don't like getting up. How many of you do not enjoy getting up? Hold your hand. There you go. You shall reign in the new Jerusalem. You will. Yeah. That's what the Bible says. Hey, it says there'll be no more night. You'll never have to get up, right? I mean, we're not going to have that. I have a 6 a.m. flight. To get a 6 a.m. flight, I got to get up at 3 a.m. I get to the airport. I'm just chugging away, getting the day done. Man, I'm picking up all the emails wirelessly in the airport that have stacked up in the night. And they made an announcement, kind of a neat announcement. They said, this is the maiden flight for a brand new airplane that our airline has just purchased. We're going to buy a bunch of them, but this is the first one. And you get to fly on it for the first time. And because you're the first passengers to fly on it, Everybody is getting 500 extra mileage points. I thought, neat. Looked out there in the dark, beautiful, shiny, big airplane. I thought, boy, that's a slick looking airplane, isn't it? They start loading. I get on, turn down the aisle, and something happened looking down that aisle. I looked at the seats. They were the smallest most ridiculous seats I've ever seen. I don't know who they're building them for. How many of you know they're making the seats smaller this way? And, and most of us, I, I tell them, once I'm in this seat, I do not need a seat belt. I really don't. 
Don't you laugh at me. Some of you aren't going anywhere either. I thought, turn this baby upside down? I'm not going to get out. I'm, I've often thought, you know, when they do that thing, if there's an emergency evacuation, if there is, me and the seat will leave together. Boy, I mean, that'll be quicker than trying to get wedged out. And it wasn't just this way. It's this way. They got these... I mean, it's nuts. When the guy in front of you lays back, you could examine his teeth and do dental work. I mean, his head is in your lap. I am looking at this, and I can't explain it, but it upset me just looking at him. Can I tell you? When you get upset, that's the door that stops you from agapeing. When something bugs you, Agape is about to leave the premise. Mm. How many of y'all ever got upset driving your car? Hold your hand up, will you? Yeah. Agape is about to... I walked towards the back of the plane where my seat was, and there's a flight attendant standing there. Nice lady. I don't know her from anybody. But here is exactly what I said to her. I said, ma'am, with all due respect, that is the most ridiculous puny seat I've ever seen. Now, how many of you know the word puny? That's an Alabama word, all right? It means ridiculously small. I said, that's the most ridiculous puny seat I've ever seen. Like that with people all around, she flashed back at me. I didn't say anything to her personal. I just said, that's the most ridiculous puny seat I've ever seen. Like that, she said, well, you could lose weight, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, 20 to 6. This is just what I need. The mouth of the South, right? Kaboom. I will tell you, when she said that, I lost it. She said, you could lose weight, you know. I said, you know what, you're right, and you could get prettier. I said, you are unquestionably one of the most cosmetically challenged people I've ever met. She looked at me and she said, well, well I, I never. I said, well, now you have. You say, what about kind? What's that got to do with anything? She started it. Now, it didn't help that probably a dozen people around me started applauding. They say, hey, that was good. And, and there's an old boy there who gets out his pennies. I want to write that down. What'd you say now? It's... I want to warn you, I'm sinning and I feel wonderful. Most of the time, when you're not kind, you feel great and totally justified. The believer is never justified, never, in being unkind. I'm taking my coat off. I feel good. I mean, she started it. I didn't. On top of that, she should never have. And you know what? Because they shouldn't have done something gives you no right to do something. I'm taking my coat off, Brother Ralph. I'm putting it up in the bin overhead. And when I did, some of my gospel tracks just fell right out. And I picked them up. And as clear as I'm talking to you, Lord said, Probably not a good idea to give it to her right now. <laughs> and I said, no, not right now, no. <laughs> Can I tell you something? The world doesn't want to hear what you've got to say until you agape. Your voice is an irritating noise.
until that agape is there. Guy sitting there next to me said, man, you really blitzed her one good. I thought, yeah, that's wonderful. I made my way back up to the front, Brother Ralph, a job because people are coming down the aisle and you have to keep stepping in seats to work your way back up. And I got up by her and I said, uh, can I talk to you a minute? She's still crying. She turned around and she said, I, I've really heard quite enough from you. I said, I know. But I'm here to ask you to forgive me. I said, what I just did to you, my faith forbids. What I just did to you was a sin. And I am really sorry. Will you forgive me? There were three flight attendants standing there, and it got as quiet as right now. Two people sitting over here. Guy said, did he ask him to forgive? She said, you want me to forgive you? I said, yeah. She said, mister, I've been a flight attendant for 22 years. And in 22 years, nobody's asked me to forgive them. I said, well, I am right now. Because what I did to you broke the heart of God. I told her, I'm without excuse. I know better. Forgive me. I said, I wouldn't blame you for not taking this, but don't hold me against this, okay? I said, would you take it? She said, yeah. The two behind her, one spoke up and said, have you got any more of those? I said, yeah, I do. What's it going to take for us to get the ear of this world? It's going to take agape. I didn't change those hearts standing there. God did. But what he used was his love. Love is kind. The flight wasn't very long, Brother Ralph, just about an hour. I'm getting off the plane in Atlanta and I'm working my way from the back up. And I'm about the distance from here to the choir and the captain's up there shaking hands in the front. And then I hear the captain say, is that the guy, that one right there? And I thought, oh, sweet Alabama, here it comes. Um, how many of you ever been worried your mouth was going to get you in trouble? How many of you all ever had that fear? I thought, oh boy, I'm going to catch it now. And I come up and he stuck out his hand, this Delta captain. And he said, mister, I'm a born again Christian. And he said, I want to thank you. We don't see many kind Christians on our flight. We don't see many kind Christians. He said, I just want to thank you. I said, well, I, I wasn't real kind. He said, I heard the story. He said, thanks. When you start loving, get ready for God to open doors you can't imagine. Get ready for God to start doing some things that are going to absolutely mystify and amaze you. Because God said, this is better than faith. This is greater than hope. This is what's more important. Now, faith is critical. Hope is critical. But it's going nowhere without this love. That's what the word says. I was finishing a case in Alaska. And the trial went well. We were kind of out in the Aleutian chain. Anybody here ever been to Alaska? Y'all ever been there, anybody? It's an incredible wilderness, unbelievably vast. I have a flight to leave and go back to Anchorage, and from there I'm going home. 
we're done with the case and a pastor walks up to me there's been probably two dozen pastors at the trial and he said brother gibbs i know you have a, a ticket to go back to anchorage i said i sure do he said i'd like to help save some money he said i have an airplane i'm a pilot my airplane is here i will fly you back to anchorage i said well thanks a lot but i said i got a ticket i want to be real honest with you i'm not real big on little airplanes but i'm really not big on little airplanes that preachers fly all right how many of you all understand that one right because they start equating flying with faith and things like that you know and you can get in a lot of trouble in a hurry He said, oh, no problem, no problem. About a half an hour went by. He comes back again, and this time he has five other preachers with him. And he said, look, I know you said no, but he said, maybe saving God's money doesn't matter to you. But he said, it all matters to us, and we're kind of grieved that you won't let us save this. He said, well, why don't you get in the plane? And all these people, these are like Job's friends standing behind him, all shaking their heads. That's right, you should save the money. And I'm, I'm kind of like feeling trapped. Have you ever felt trapped? I mean, have you ever done something that you had a feeling about that maybe you shouldn't do? Well, this was that. I said, you know, I, I really, he said, no, come on. He said, well, now the guy I'm with didn't help. He, he said, well, come on, we could save that money. That's probably, I'm like, get on my side. I mean, we're, this, and finally I gave in. I said, okay. Next thing I know, we're on our way out to the airport, and we go see his little plane, and it's kind of a nice-looking plane. It's shiny, and I think that's good. <laughs> How many of you are going to fly in a plane would like it to be shiny versus not shiny, right? And I thought shiny is good. It's got two engines. Now, it's a little different. One engine's in the front and one's in the back. And I asked him, I said, do they both go at once, or is one like a backup? And he said, no, they both go at once. I said, well, good. It's got two engines. This is good. And I'm praying heavy duty. How many of you ever prayed because you knew you were probably doing something that maybe you shouldn't do? And, and you're saying, God help me anyway. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever been speeding and say, please, Lord, don't let me get a ticket. You know what I mean? It's that kind of prayer. Okay. Now I'm looking at this and my friend hits me on the sleeve and he says, this is a good looking plane. See, you were upset over nothing. I said, yeah, maybe. He said, you're just a nervous Nelly. It's gonna work great. I said, yeah, maybe. Pilot gets in, I get in, my friend gets in the back seat. And I'm looking at it and it all looks pretty nice to me. And plane starts right up. I think that's a good sign. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of, I thought, man, these engines start right off, that's good. And then I said to him, I said, do you talk on the radio? Is that how you get out of here? He said, no, these are all uncontrolled fields. He said, you don't use the radio. And then he said something that kind of bothered me. He said, in 20 years, I've not used the radio. I said, you fly without using the radio. He said, yeah. He said, a lot of pilots, and I later found out a lot of pilots in Alaska fly bush style, and they don't use the radios very much or at all. Well, he taxis the plane out, and it goes out pretty nice, and I thought, seems like he handles it good. And then he explains, he said, we want to bring the rear engine in first to make sure it's up to power, then we're going to do the front engine. And I thought, boy, that sounds good to me. Yeah, it's like professional. And down the runway we go. It is wonderful. The plane lifts off, just severe smooth. I mean, it's wonderful. We fly up into the air, maybe 150 to 200 feet, and we go into the clouds. And then something happened that I wish never to have happened again. <laughs> we go into the clouds, and we're not in the clouds 10 seconds. And the preacher flying the plane says, I'm losing it. I said, you're what now? <laughs> and with that, he lets go. 
He said, I can't fly in the clouds. I said, yes, you can. You can fly in the clouds. He said, no, I can't. He said, I'm severe claustrophobic. He said, I go into catatonic fits. He said, you'll have to fly it. I said, I'll have to fly it. I looked at him and I said, you hear me, you can fly this plane. You will fly this plane. No one else here can fly this plane. You will fly this plane. And with that, his eyes go like the little slits. And he starts mumbling. Jesus, save us. Jesus, save us. Now, my friend in the back hits me and he said, you'll have to fly it. I said, I can't fly this plane. I said, come on, wake up. You can fly this plane. I mean, this, it, this, he just like left. He opens his eyes a little and he said, I didn't know there were any clouds. I said, how could you not know there were clouds? It's been overcast all cotton picking day. There were no stars when we left. There are clouds. Now you can fly in the clouds. No, I can't. Jesus save us. And sweat is just popping out of him. And like in 15 seconds, his hair is wringing wet. And my friend said, I'm going to kill him. I said, no, we're going to land, then we're going to kill him. I'm going to tell you, don't kill him. We need him right now. He just absolutely went catatonic and checked out. And here we are with this airplane. Now, my friend came up with an idea. He said, look, you fly it. And never having done this before, we are now doing a lot of this. All right. I mean, you, you don't really, that is just not easy to get this thing doing this. It's kind of, and, and we're discussing this. And there's one little instrument there that I now know is called the artificial horizon. We said, let's just use that one because I think that's supposed to tell you where the ground is. And we'll just, so we're, we're kind of going along like this, porpoising our way through the clouds. And I'm still talking to this guy, I said, come on, wake up. You can, you can do this now. My mother would want you to do this, get in here. <laughs> My friend says, I'll try the radio. And we can't figure out how to turn it on. Did not know that a button that doesn't say anything, you're supposed to push it. So now we're just like pushing lots of buttons. And some unusual things are happening. And so we're saying, we got to find the right button because we may not be able to undo something here. Finally, we hit a button and the radio lights up. My friend is leaning over from the back seat. He's got the radio. And he said, how do we know to get a hold of them? I said, I don't know. Just start talking and move that little thing and see if we can get somebody. <laughs> Not knowing there's a heap of channels in there. My friend's back there. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> and I'm back there saying, oh, please, somebody say hello back. All right. <laughs> And then he would say, flip it. And I'd flip it one and we'd go, hello, 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 hello. After doing that for 20 some minutes, we're just still porpoising along saying, <laughs> it's not easy. I mean, we're saying, hello, hello. And the poor guy in the back seat went, 
when I'd get the porpoise at the wrong spot, you know, it's like a roller coaster a little bit, he'd be saying, hello, hello. You know what I mean? He'd sort of get a little different hello tone to it. Which wasn't funny at the time at all, but now strikes me as funny, all right? Finally, we hit one channel and he says, hello, hello. And miraculously, a 747 freighter flown by Flying Tigers Airline is crossing the Pacific that night. And in turning channels, we later found out, on the way to his channel, he hit the one we're saying hello on. So he comes back and says, hello, hello, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, we said, glory to God, don't leave. <laughs> we said, look, we, we, I don't know how to fly this. He said, you mean you don't have a pilot? I said, well, we got one, but he's fundamentally useless. All right, he's, <laughs> that's what I told the guy. He's of no value right now. And I'm flying this, and, and we don't know what to do. Can you help us? Now, he's very helpful. He said, listen, I can tell by my range meters here that we're separating from you. And he said, we're going to be losing you shortly. Then he said this. He said, I'm going to give you some information that can save you. But he said, it's not going to do you one bit of good if you don't get it right. Don't you ever forget, we got some information that can save us. But it doesn't do any good if you don't get it right. I said, okay, I'll write the numbers down. My hand is just, and I handed, I said, I can't write. The guy in the back is trying to write the numbers. He's having the same problem. Now, we're still doing this, too. So we write these numbers down. Then here's what he said. He said, you got to leave me and get them. He said, we've already called Anchorage. He said, they're looking for you. And then that flying tiger's co-pilot said, we're praying for you guys. He said, now you've got to take a step of faith and leave me and go there. And I said, tell him we don't want to leave him. He's the only thing that's worked so far tonight. He said, no, you've got to leave me. We only had one little radio, so we ended up leaving him. And we went to the frequency, he said, and it was Anchorage. And Anchorage said, we've been waiting for you. We're looking for you. And they said, now we want you to make a right-hand turn. Now we want you to make a left-hand turn. Now make another right-hand turn. Now another left-hand turn. And I said, what, what, what are we doing? I said, you don't understand. There's millions and millions of square acres here. We're searching for you. But we're going to find you. Finally, this fellow came back up and he said, make one more left-hand turn. And we did. And he said, I got you. I want you to hear what he said next. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, I want you to know, I know right where you are. Now he said, as long as you will follow my voice, I'll bring you home. But he said, if you won't follow my voice, I can't get you home. He said, now, I want you to make a right-hand turn. 
we made the turn and he said, I didn't want to scare you ahead, but he said, you are flying along a cliff range that is 12,000 foot high. He said, you fellas were four miles and closing. He said, you have flown up two ridge lines. How you got through the canyons, we don't know. And I'm telling him, we're just doing this. That's, <laughs> can't see anything. Now he came back and he said, I'm going to bring you home. But he said, I don't want you looking outside. And he said, I don't want you trusting your feelings. You've got to trust my voice. Because he said, somewhere in here, your feelings are going to say, I don't want to do that. And he said, I do not want you flying on your feelings. I want you flying, listening to my voice. For the next two hours, all I did was listen to that voice. Pull it up a little bit. Put it down a little bit. Now I want you to go left. And then he'd say, now we're going to shake for a while. Because he said, I'm taking you through a pass. And he said, it's going to shake pretty good. But he said, I'm there. He said, I know where you're at. I asked him this question. We're sitting there shaking pretty good. I said, I don't know if I should ask this, but I said, have you ever lost one? He said, not one that listens to my voice. Finally, he said, guys, we've cleaned everybody out. He said, you're only 40 miles from the airport now. But he said, we got a little problem. We're below minimums. I said, what's that mean? He said, the weather's down. But he said, I'm bringing you in. He said, you got to listen to me. He said, we got a bunch of freighters and passenger planes that are waiting to refuel that are in the air circling. And one of them wants to talk to you. Next thing I know, here's a guy. He said, I'm a United captain. We're praying. Take her home, boys. Take her home. Another guy came up. I'm dealt, I'm this. And then the guy with the voice said, you got a host that's watching you. <laughs> and you're looking for you to bring it home. Now, I've never done this. And he said, we got you all lined up. And he said, you're going to come right down. And he said, you're going to scare yourself. And I said, I've been scared all night. I mean, this is all right. And by now, I've kind of given up on our pilot friend here. He's just, Jesus, save us. Jesus, save us. And, and I'm like, I hope he's praying. I hope he's not having a fit. But I just pray. And he said, guys, and I didn't know this. Pilots would. He said, to get home, I got to bring you by the cross. He said, you are going to see the most brilliant white cross you've ever seen in your life. He said, it's at the end of the runway. And he said, I'm going to bring you down and you'll see the cross and then you're home. Down we went. And he kept telling me, you're just a little bit from the cross now. Stay with me. Stay with me. And boom, up came these lights. And it was a white cross. 
And then, boom, we hit the ground. Now, I didn't understand that there was a spring in that landing gear. So I hit the ground, and we went airborne again. (laughs) And now, the pilot wakes up. And he says, I'll take it from here. I said, don't you touch nothing. (laughs) Sweet Jesus, don't you touch a thing. (laughs) Aside from taking out a pretty good row of landing lights and nudging one building, we landed totally unharmed. The next morning, about 10 o'clock, there's a knock at my door. And I open the door, there's a guy standing there, I don't know him, and he says, hi, David. I said, you're the voice. I know that voice. You're the guy that got me home. He stuck out his hand and he said, aren't you glad you listened? You know what? God says, you got a simple choice. You can try doing it my, your way or you can do it by his voice. He says, without this love, we're nothing. He says, without this love, Nothing matters. He says, without this love, we're just an irritating noise. And God says, I want to bring you home. But you got to follow my voice. What would it take tonight for you to stop how you've been doing it and say, God helping me, not tomorrow, But tonight, by God's grace, I'm going to start world-class agapeing. You see, God wants to do it through you, but you got to pull the faith trigger. That decision on your part is what releases it from God's part. What voice are you going to listen to? Oh, you start acting nice and kind. Everybody will take advantage. And all of a sudden, what voice are you going to follow? Yeah, but you treat them kind and they don't even appreciate it. It's aggravating. Are you going to run your life by how you're feeling or are you going to follow the voice? I promise you. God's way is the only way that'll take it home. I want to confess to you too many days, too many weeks, too many months, too many years, little or no agape. And I ask you tonight, are you world-class, long-suffering, kind? God's looking for some people to show himself strong through. My Bible says the Spirit of God right now is going to and fro through the whole earth looking for who he can use. I want to be one he can use. Would you tonight pull that agape trigger? God, I want this world to see world-class kindness. A love that could only be from you through me. It's time for you to decide what voice you're going to listen to. Father... Thank you for loving us. Thank you for putting up with us. 
But in these closing moments of this night, we want to be everything you've commanded us to be. World class. The people who love. How many of you say tonight, David, God touched my heart. I'm saved. I'm heaven bound. But I haven't been world class love like I need to. And tonight I'm going to ask God as never before to agape through me. God spoke to my heart tonight. If that's true, lift your hand right now. Lift them quickly, lift them high. You've raised your hand. I want you to get out of your seat and come to this altar. Don't hesitate, don't delay. No one will do what's right when they leave if they don't do what's right, right now. Just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou day a preacher friend of mine was driving out near the county line. Near the tavern he got an awful shock, a well-known car in the parking lot. The preacher parked his car and went right in, sat down at the bar next to a friend. While fighting back a bitter tear, the preacher said, son, why are you here? Please come on home to those who care. There is no shame. The cross won't bear. Just as you are, son, come on home. Your family is waiting. For you, Son, faith in Jesus will save you free. There's no shame, cross won't bend. The next Sunday morning, my preacher friend preached his heart, painting a picture of sin. And when he gave an altar call, the people were kneeling, wall to wall. The prodigal son confessed his sins at that blessed altar of prayer. Now the family's one in praising God. All the preacher could do was cry and nod. Friend, have you met God at an altar of prayer? There is no shame the cross won't bear. Just as you are sinner friend, your blessed Savior waits for you. Your sin, he will set you free. There's no shame, the cross won't bear. Friend, have you met God at an altar of prayer? There is no shame, 
cross won't bear. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict and many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without. You heard this story about David Gibbs about listening to his voice. It's just that simple. If he hadn't stayed focused on them pilots that was trying to help him get into landing and his life be saved, he would have probably crashed into one of them mountains. And you know, without listening to the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, we're going to crash into a mountain. He will lead us and guide us. My Bible says, be still and know that I am God. So sometimes we just have to shut everything out around us and listen to that still, small voice inside of us to help him guide us to where we need to go. But you've got to be willing to do that. And if you're not willing to do that, then you might as well turn loose of the controls and just let it go out autopilot and see what happens. You know, that plane can't see that mountain coming at it. So you need to help steer and get it through and listen to his voice. So if you're willing to do that today, just say, Lord... I've made a mess of my life. I'm not happy. I'm not content. And the one thing I don't have is joy. And I want you to come into my life and take control. I don't want to be on automatic pilot anymore. I want you to take control of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, I know that you died on a cross for me. So I ask that you come into my heart, change my life, and Lord, steer this craft to where you want it to go. If you did that, driver, give us a call here at Channel 21 Ministries, 615-663-3199. Or you can call Chaplain Gary Rayburn at Lonesome Road Ministries at 618-383-2107. And we'll be glad to send you more CDs that will help you out there on the road. And remember this, friends, God loves you and we do too. So we'll talk at you later. Lift my head high, Lord. Let the wind blow. I receive from the Spirit new life in my soul. When breathed in Adam. He came alive. He was just a clay vessel till breath came inside. Then the early believers in the upper room, <laughs> they got drunk on the spirit when the wind blew. I lift my head high.
down in this valley We are so dry Bones in the desert Lord, we need new life I lift my head high low Let the wind blow I receive from the Spirit New life in my soul When the wind blows number 618-383-2107 or you can give Chaplain Daryl Spicer a call. 615-663-3199 We'll talk at you later. There you go. Pittsburgh rolling down that Easter Seaboard. I got my diesel turned up and she's running like never before. Well, there's a speed zone ahead, alright, but I don't see a cop in sight. Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight. I got me ten forward gears and a Georgia overdrive. No pills, cause my eyes are open wide. I just passed the Volvo and a white. I've been passing everything inside. Six days on the road, and I'm gonna make it on tonight. I'll take it home. Tonight. 
Well, my rig's a little low, but that don't mean she's slow. There's a flame from a stack and the smoke's blowing black as coal. Well, my hometowns are coming in sight. And if you think I'm happy, you're right. Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight. Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight. I said six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight. Look out, mama. Here. 